my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show. We're always talking about the way the world is rapidly changing and we're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand the world, what's going on with some better context. And we're going to look at some really big stories. We're going to be looking at what happened in the markets this week. We're going to look at what the heck happened with Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency markets, some big moves and some stuff you may not be aware of. We're going to talk about what's going on in the gold market, but more specifically, what's going on with China the gold market, and is it being weaponized against us in the treasury market, the bond market? And then we're going to talk about some new uh, policies that are being rushed through by some of the leadership that will take away some of our freedoms and cause more censorship. So we're going to talk about all that and more. I'm going to run through this pretty quickly, but the first stop is, man, it's got to be Bitcoin. That's been dominating the news. Uh, it's good to see Bitcoin, the largest cryptocurrency, the king of cryptocurrencies. And yes, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, so we're Good. It's good to see it sort of wake up and sort of start moving again. A monster move all the way up to about $35,000. Now, we had sort of this false move a few weeks ago when there was a, a false story, a, f a false tweet, a fake tweet. I don't know. Cointelegraph, one of the largest uh, publications, online publications for cryptocurrencies, put out a tweet saying that the Bitcoin ETF was approved. And that pushed the price up. About 30 minutes later, that was retracted. And so the price pumped and came back down, but it's, it held some of that level there. 
It was like a fire drill. It was like a test. What would happen? But then we saw this week that BlackRock, so BlackRock, of course you know who BlackRock is if you listen to this show, the evil empire as I call them, semi-quasi arm of the government, if you will, has been working on getting a Bitcoin ETF through. Now, there's several others that are trying to go through as well. But BlackRock, again, if anyone's going to get one through, it's going to be them. And Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, was on TV this week saying that there's massive demand for cryptocurrencies. They're trying to get this cryptocurrency ETF through. And that people around the world are using Bitcoin as a flight to safety. And I think that was very important because I still get comments all the time. And feel free to drop them on this video here that Bitcoin's a scam and why would I hold Bitcoin and uh, I'm only going to buy gold and it's stupid inter internet money and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that, that's fine. Everyone's uh, welcome to their own opinions. Uh, you certainly should have your own opinions and I applaud you for thinking that way. However, I've also believed that success leaves clues. So I try to find who are the most successful people and I try to find out what are the things they've done. And when you're the largest asset manager in the world, when you're Larry Fink, who has the most access to the most amount of capital, uh, the ear of the most powerful people in the world, you're one of the most powerful people in the world. When you're saying that people are starting to go to Bitcoin as a flight to safety, that's something that people should probably pay attention to. So you can sit here and say Larry Fink's an idiot, but if you think he's an idiot, you might be the idiot. It's sort of like when Donald Trump was running for president back in 2016, everyone's saying, oh, Donald Trump's an idiot as well. Really? Because he's developed billions of dollars of real estate in the toughest real estate market in the world. He's had he's written multiple best-selling books. He's has a hit TV show. So he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, and so sometimes you have to kind of think about these things. And so when Larry Fink says that, it's something you should probably look at. Anyway, so what happened? So BlackRock obtained what's known as a CUSIP number. And basically that number is what you would need to be listed um, in this as, uh, as a security. So that's a pretty big deal. It shows that it's moving forward. It's gone from just fact, in, uh, I'm sorry, from fiction into like fact. They're starting to go down this path. Um, and not only did they get the CUSIP number um, by updating the ETF filing, they also had another amendment on there, not just the unique ID, but they also said they were going to start seeding the ETF this month. So what that means is um, if you open up like a new corporation, you open a bank account, you got to put some money in the bank account. And that's sort of what's going on here. Uh, this ETF needs some seeding. And so um, they have to purchase a few what they call creation units. In this case, it's Bitcoin. And so not only did, is, is this moving forward, seemingly, I mean, they got the CUSIP number. It's a unique ID that they, they, they need for security. And now they're starting to seed the account. And that was the big news that really popped it off hard and shows us what's about to come from this. It's a big deal. Now, we've also seen uh, not just BlackRock Bitcoin ETF that's moving through, but also there's one from the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Now, the Bitcoin Trust is similar to an ETF, but it's not an ETF. It's a different type of vehicle, but it's similar in a sense that allows people to buy Bitcoin uh, through their stock accounts um, when most people aren't able to do that. But the Bitcoin Trust, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, GBTC, wants to convert over into an ETF. And just like all the other ETF applications, the SEC has been delaying these decisions. Now, uh, just recently, a court case said that the SEC's decision to deny it was pernicious. I don't know, they use some big words about it's stupid, basically. 
And now they were forced to actually decide on this and they've been dragging their feet. And so this week we saw that a court ruled that they are, they have to, they mandate that the SEC has to rule on this. Now they didn't say that the SEC has to approve it, but they at least have to approve it tonight. They have to go through with this. They can't drag their feet anymore. So between those two things, it's been a very big deal. And that's what's pushed the price of Bitcoin up to new highs. Well, not new highs, local highs. It is up about 100% just this year. Uh, and it's incredible to watch that, specifically at a time when we see the stock market uh, starting to melt down. We're starting to see these safe haven assets, as Larry Fink called it, starting to really distance themselves. Gold is breaking out. Bitcoin is breaking out. It's pretty interesting. But at, a, at the same time as we're seeing this, Imagine this contrast. At the same time as we're seeing the SEC sort of being pushed into a corner to have to uh, rule on these Bitcoin ETFs, we're seeing the largest asset managers in the world like BlackRock move into Bitcoin ETFs. At the same time as we're seeing this legitimization of it, if you will, we're also seeing the backlash of this. So in the UK, they just passed a bill for seizing illicit crypto. Now, this has been put forth uh, a while ago. Uh, this bill finally became law on Thursday after receiving the king's approval. The king? Really? Okay, well, that's another story for another time. But what I think is incredible about this is basically what they're saying is that uh, they can now seize cryptocurrency with no due process. The Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill covers a range of criminal activities from drug trafficking to cybercrime. And the provisions in the bill give broad powers to local cops and will let them seize crypto with criminal links without a conviction. Now, in the developed world, yes, in the United States, but under even British common law, we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. We're supposed to be given a due process of law. We're supposed to be able to given a chance to defend ourselves. Anybody can allege anything. So we can't just go off of what somebody alleges. They have to prove it. And here, this is going to let them seize crypto without a conviction. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And at the same time, we're seeing this. We're seeing stuff rush through the United States that sort of does the same thing. The media is using fake information. The media, mainstream media, used a story citing information from a company called Elliptic saying that they uh, that Hamas and terrorists were using cryptocurrency to fund terrorism. Uh, mainstream media ran with that, specifically the Wall Street Journal ran with that report. Um, and then Senator Elizabeth Warren used that information to go pass a new bill trying to rush it through to, again, take away your freedoms. Now, they, Elliptic has gone back and said, well, you have the data wrong. That's not what they said but yet they haven't gone back and changed it. So on one hand, we're seeing the legitimization of Bitcoin through the Bitcoin ETFs, BlackRock, Grayscale, et cetera. And at the same time over here, we have laws being passed in the UK and even here in the United States that want to try to limit your ability to access that. In my opinion, where this frames up is they want you to have it, but only in the hands of custodians. They don't want you to have it on your own. But that's the battle. We'll see where that shapes up. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand the world in greater context as we look at through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. We'll be back with a whole lot more stories in a minute after a very short break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. 
Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week. And I did a whole segment earlier on how wars are being used for censorship. So we've talked about that. And I talked about why war or, or why censorship is needed, and it's needed to control the narrative. Now, I want to talk about something more specific right now, and this is in the late breaking news section. And what we're seeing is um, a pretty big deal. What we're seeing is a company called Consortium News and NewsGuard and the Pentagon and all of it coming together. So what am I talking about? Well, Consortium News is a news website focused on foreign policy. It was founded by an award-winning journalist who helped break the Iran-Contra story in the 80s. So that basically broke open all the corruption in the government, how the government was involved in Iran-Contra. So if you remember back uh, in the 80s, Oliver North, basically the United States government, yes, the government was literally, yes, taking cocaine, <laughs> from Central America and bringing it to the United States and dumping it on the streets at the same time as the government's also fighting a war on drugs. Interesting, right? So they're bringing cocaine here, selling it, getting the cash, going to Iran, buying weapons, and then bringing the weapons back to Central America. So uh, this award-winning journalist from Consortium News broke that story open. Of course, the government doesn't like that, right? Uh, but uh, he, he founded this um, 
And what he's alleging now is there's a collaboration to suppress their reporting. The complaint alleges that the U.S. government worked with NewsGuard, remember that name, worked with NewsGuard to target and suppress consortium's reporting, which frequently takes a critical stance on U.S. foreign policy towards Russia, Ukraine, and the Middle East. So what they're saying is this, this company, NewsGuard, is actively working with the government to suppress their information, to, to hold them down. How are they doing that? Well, on September 7th of 2021, the uh, U.S. Department of Defense gave an award of almost a million dollars, $749,000 to NewsGuard Technologies, a private service that scores media outlets on reliability and trust. All right. So they're a rating agency. So if you're a journalist, you want to cite your sources. And so you say, I got it from this website, I got it from this website, I got it from this news source, whatever. Well, Consortium News, Consortium Technologies, basically ranks those, um, those media outlets on reliability. And so you, as a reporter or somebody who's citing news, you would want to grab information that was more credible. So for example, a lot of times on my main videos, on my main YouTube channel, on Mark Moss, I'll pull in what I call the receipts. So if I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to bring the chart, the graph, the headline, the quote, whatever to back that up. Now, a lot of times I might pull, I try to pull as much mainstream stuff as I can because people tend to think that has more authority, tend to, than if I pull it from some obscure website like Alternative Health or something like that, right? And so these are scored. And basically what this suit is alleging is that uh, 40,000 subscribers buy NewsGuard subscriptions, um, and they're, they're relying on NewsGuard to tell them which ones are the best news sources to pull from. But NewsGuard is actually trying to censor the information. Consortium News was labeled a purveyor of disinformation and misinformation and false content, and worst of all, anti-U.S. This is despite the fact that according to the suit, NewsGuard only flagged six articles out of tens of thousands. And so NewsGuard is saying, no, Consortium News is uh, constantly uh, false. They're constantly pushing fake information. And worst of all, they're even anti-US. But NewsGuard's like, or, or uh, Consortium's like, what are you talking about? You, NewsGuard, have only flagged six out of tens of thousands of articles that we've published. And we are award-winning publishers or uh, journalists. So uh, Consortium News is pointing out that NewsGuard downgrades its entire 20,000 article library of data, even when there's only a couple of edge cases out there. Now, the irony here is that Perry, the founder, is a decorated AP and Newsweek reporter, and he founded Consortium News specifically to address topics suppressed by mainstream editors. So they went out to find this information to help get it out there. However, now they're being uh, influenced by the government. Now, they deny that, of course. They deny being influenced by the government. In fact, its denials are part of the reason for the suit. See, they got money, so it's hard. But when Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi testified before Congress in March, so they testified in Congress about the, uh, the, the Twitter files that were, that were brought out, uh, they mentioned NewsGuard as a government-funded rating service. And the co-CEO, Gordon Krovitz, um, he corrected Taibbi, saying NewsGuard isn't government-funded, but merely an organization that receives government funds. <laughs> huh? Uh, let me correct you. We're not government-funded. We're an organization that receives government funds. 
Hmm, wordplay here. Now, NewsGuards claims that, quote, we are government-funded in the same way that Verizon is government-funded. Huh? We have licensed data to the government for a fee, just as Verizon has provided telco services for a fee. The government pays us both for our commercial offerings. Our Pentagon contract is a single-digit percent of our revenues. Okay, so that's what they're claiming. They're claiming that uh, they're just simply using their service. Because NewsGuard has other customers, it can claim to be an independent news service that just happens to downgrade news reports that contradict and criticize the policy of its major client. Of course, no surprise, the Department of Defense. Now, in the suit, it says, in the course of the government contract, NewsGuard of the United States have acted to retaliate against those news entities and media organizations that refuse to retract or correct their articles such as retaliation consists of the false content warnings and red flag associated content described in this amended complaint. So what they're saying is basically, look, you using this money and on behalf of the government are going out there and purposely censoring any information that doesn't go along with your narrative. This is what we talked about on this big segment I did earlier. It's always about controlling the narrative. And the government has a big problem on their hands. The internet has given us all an ability to publish information, share information, and have conversations that they can't control. Now, they're trying their best. They're trying to pass all types of laws around this, but they're working at it from every single angle, including trying to create this misinformation, malinformation narrative, and using organizations like this to do their bidding for them. Now, uh, I'm not judge, jury, and executioner here. We'll find out soon enough through this lawsuit what the truth is here. This could be a spin. Look, I'm not saying that potentially a consortium might just be mad that their articles aren't getting the reach that they want. Or maybe they're being pressured. I don't know. But what I do know is we talked about this in the in the bigger episode. What I do know is first principles. What I do know is that if the government wants to maintain power in, in a time when people are unhappy with them, the only way they can do that is by maintaining the narrative. So I do know that. So that just leads me to naturally believe this, but we'll see how this plays out. Um, and this is all going to be coming out, um, and we'll see what happens. Now, there's a bigger case that's happening, and this is the going to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court is actually going to hear about the Biden's, Biden administration's ability to censor speech, specifically demanding censorship by social media platforms. Um, and that's going to the Supreme Court, and that is going to be very interesting to see what happens, and I'm definitely going to keep you up to date on that. Uh, I mean, imagine that the Biden administration was told by a court they can't censor speech on free platforms or private platforms anymore. And the Biden administration is going to court to fight that. And that's going to the Supreme Court. So we'll see about that. Like I said, I'll keep up to date. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines of the week. Uh, so you can have better context of what's going on in the world. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Listen. 
let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand what the heck is going on. And I'm not just reading you the news. You can do that on your own. I'm trying to give you the context so you can understand what this all means. And so I try to assemble it in a way that tells a narrative or a story. And so now let's jump into what is going on in the markets. Now, we can talk about the markets overall, but specifically, I want to talk about what's happening in the debt markets, the bond markets, and the biggest, most liquid, supposedly most stable market in the world, which is the bond market or specifically the U.S. treasuries, the government debt. Now, most people, when they think about markets, they're probably thinking about their uh, index funds, their 401ks, the S&P 500. But that's what um, that's not what the most professional real investors look at. You see, treasuries, stocks are typically like trailing indicators. What we really want to look at is what's going on in the debt markets and like in specifically in the treasuries. Now, we don't want to just look at it because of what's driving the market. We also want to look at it from this geopolitical lens. And this is a story that we're starting to see. Uh, we've seen that the U.S. bond, the U.S. treasuries, the yields are going completely haywire. Why is that? The 10-year treasury just cracked 5% on Thursday for the first time since 2007. Why is that? Well, it's easy. Supply and demand, right? Prices move on supply and demand. If prices are going up, what does that mean? Well, in this case, it's debt. So you have to think about the, the value of the bond and the yield that it provides. So this is debt. So you have to think about it a little bit different. Okay. So what do I mean by that? If I want to borrow money from you, um, you are going to charge me an interest rate. Right? Or I'm going to charge you an interest rate if I'm going to loan you money. If I think you're very, very, very safe and there's no way I'm going to lose money, I'm going to give you a lower interest rate. If I think you're very risky, I'm going to charge you a higher interest rate. Also, let's say that uh, there's increased competition. So uh, there's 10 people that need to borrow a dollar, but there's only three people with dollars to lend. The people bar- that, the, those 10 people that want to borrow have to compete for the only $3 available. So those 10 people that are competing are going to offer higher and higher yields to get that money. So when you see the U.S. Treasury yield going up, it just cracked 5%. That means they're having a hard time borrowing money. People want to charge them higher rates, either because the credit worthiness is dropping or there's not enough people loaning money for the demand that's required. In the case of the government, it's both. 
The U.S. bond, the, the, the government's credit rating has been getting driven down. At the same time, the U.S. government is issuing more debt, needing to borrow more money than there is money available for it. So the price goes up. Now, what we're seeing is uh, bond market dysfunction. It's the second worst bond market since the onset of the Civil War in 1861. The markets are really starting to feel the effects of this, uh, and the government is starting to feel the effects of it as well. What we're seeing is that uh, on a small scale, we're starting to see people starting to uh, be less involved in the bond market and going to hard assets like gold and Bitcoin. We're starting to, certainly starting to see that. Uh, but part of it isn't so much the demand side. There's plenty of demand. People are still buying the treasuries. They're just issuing too much supply. And the reason why they're issuing too much supply is because of the deficits. The U.S. budget gap soars to the largest outside of the COVID era. Federal government posted a $1.7 trillion budget deficit for the fiscal year of 2023, which is a 23% increase year over year. Treasury Department said that the deficit was the largest since the COVID-fueled $2.7 trillion gap in 2021, and it marks a major turn to ballooning deficits after back-to-back -back declines. So the government is continuing to spend more and more money. The deficit means they're spending more than they're bringing in. So what they're bringing in is declining. Tax revenues are going down, but they're spending more at the same time. And so because of that, they're having to borrow more money. There's not enough money out there. And so the yields are going up. Now, this is only getting worse. Uh, we see this getting worse now. We're fighting two wars. As a matter of fact, Janet Yellen is all over the news saying, yes, we can. of course we can fight two wars. Really? The bond market's actually saying something different, but that's what she says. Um, and now, we, so we see this deficit is only getting bigger. We see Biden is now asking Congress for $100 billion in new foreign aid and security. 60 billion for Ukraine, 14 billion for Israel, and like $5 to secure our southern border, something like that. Uh, I'm being sort of uh, jokingly, but not really. It's about, it's about how, how, how painful it is. Now, when you get into situations like this, we have a market, which means we have traders and investors, and they want to participate in this. They want to start betting on where the market's going. And some of these Investors are so big and powerful that they actually can move the markets. So you might have heard of this term called the bond vigilantes. And bond, bond vigilantes were a, a, a term that was originally coined in the 1980s. And it was a, it was a group of investors that were basically uh, protesting towards this easy monetary policy, the irresponsible fiscal policies, not unlike what we have today. And they were basically selling bonds, which would then drive the yields up. And in turn, that increased the cost of borrowing for the U.S. government, right? So the U.S. government is the one that needs to borrow the money. If they drive the yields up, the government has to spend more money to borrow the money. So they're trying to slow down the amount of money that the government could borrow. Now, we've seen this again in the 1990s. The bond vigilantes came back again. And a lot of people are speculating that they're doing again. But this time, maybe the speculation is a little bit differently. So now, uh, we've been hearing for a long time that one of the largest holders of debt is Japan, but also China. And one of the biggest threats to our national security is the amount of debt that we have. If China has all this debt, what kind of damage could they inflict, inflict onto the United States? Well, we don't maybe have to speculate. We might already be seen. As a matter of fact, China sell, just sold the most U.S. securities in four years. 
Chinese investors offloaded the most U.S. bonds and stocks in four years in August. Fueling speculation, the authorities may have moved to beef up their war chest to defend a weakening yuan. So the mainstream media spin is that they're selling uh, treasuries, U.S. dollars, treasuries to buy their own currency to boost it up. Maybe. That might be the media spin they want us to believe. Or maybe they're doing it to cause treasury dysfunction. Maybe they're doing it to push the yield up so it costs the government more money to borrow it. It says the bulk of the $21.2 billion of sales were in treasuries and U.S. equities, with funds in the Asian nation also cutting holdings of agency debt. They also don't want to hold a lot of the debt in case there's a war. They saw what happened to Russia when Russia decided to move on on Ukraine, and basically $650 billion got seized. And China doesn't want to do that. So China's cutting its holdings in U.S. Treasuries now down to $805 billion, which is the lowest level since 2009. Chinese investors sold a record $5.1 billion of U.S. stocks in August. So again, the media narrative is that they're hurting, uh, they need the money, they're selling it to prop up their currencies. Maybe. That could be. Or maybe they don't want to be stuck holding a bunch of money that the U.S. could seize from them. Maybe they want to drive the cost of the U.S. Treasury borrowing up so they borrow less money. Maybe. Now, how do we know which one it is? Well, we don't really. Uh, we don't really know which one it is, but we have some other indicators that sort of tell us what's coming next. So we can see they're dumping U.S. Treasuries uh, by the amount of tens of billions of dollars per month. In August, like I said, they unloaded 16.4 billion of treasuries. Um, they've unloaded $500 billion worth of US treasuries, and we're seeing the Fed raising rates. Now, again, what are they doing with the money? If we can understand that, that will give us a better picture. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about next. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, breaking down some of the latest breaking news headlines of the week so you can understand what in the world is going on. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other financial assets that give us a picture into what potentially China is doing. Are they really selling the treasuries to prop up their currency? Or are they doing something more antagonistic to prepare for war? We'll cover that in a minute when we come back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We'll cover that in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about some of the latest breaking news headlines of the week. And we're talking about what is going on in the markets. We looked at the treasury market, the bond market. We talked about China. And now we're going to talk about China some more. We're talking about some other assets. Now, I, I posed the question before the break. Is China really selling U.S. treasuries and stocks to bolster their currency, like the media is telling us? Or are they doing it more antagonistically uh, or maybe even defensively? Well, defensively protecting themselves in case that the U.S. wanted to seize their bank accounts again. So they saw how Russia had their FX reserve seized after the war in Ukraine started. <clears throat> so China doesn't want that to happen to them if they were to, say, move on Taiwan. So we want to lower the amount of treasuries we hold in case they try to take them from us. So that would be defensively. Now, it could also be antagonistically, meaning uh, if we dump these into the market, um, then it's going to push the cost of borrowing up for the U.S. government, which is going to put them into a hardship. So that's like antagonistic view. Now, again, the media is telling us it's neither of those. They're telling us it's more out of desperation and China's currency is hurting. And so they're forced to sell these treasuries to buy, to prop up their own currency. So which is it? Which of these three would it be? Well, maybe there's a, uh, there's a little bit of insight by looking at what else they're doing. So we can see that China's central bank just added more gold for the ninth straight month. As a matter of fact, the bullion held by the People's Bank of China rose by 740,000, almost a million ounces of gold. That's what the central bank said. Now, the one thing you have to understand is that China never really tells us the whole story. If they're reporting that, there's probably a lot more than that. Uh, but that's the equivalent to 23 tons of gold. The total stockpile is now set at about 2,137 tons of gold with around 188 tons added in a run of purchases that began in November. So they've added 188 tons since November. Now, some experts, and I've broken this math down before. I don't have it off the top of my head. I didn't prepare it. But some experts speculate, I should say, that China might actually own somewhere around 30,000 tons of gold, which is a pretty big deal. 30,000 tons. Now, we don't know this. Again, this is uh, speculation because China doesn't really tell us what they have. So we have to sort of guess that. But we can see that that is a really big uh, number. Now, we can see if we look at holdings, known holdings in the world, the United States has supposedly the largest holdings of gold in the world. I say supposedly because they haven't been audited. Uh, but supposedly the U.S. has about 8,000 tons of gold. Germany has second most with 3,300 tons. Italy has the third most at 2,400 tons. Um, China is down one, two, three, four, five, sixth place at 2,100 tons, apparently. But this is reported. But they just added, uh, yeah, so 2,100, yeah. But they just added 188 tons just since November. So th to answer the question, are they selling treasuries to out of panic to prop up their currency, or are they doing it as protection or antagonistically? <clears throat> I tend more towards the in protection and antagonistically because they're buying gold. 
where are they getting the money to buy the gold? If they're really hurting for money, why are they buying gold? And more than that, I would go even more to the antagonistically. Why would I say that? Well, you have to understand how the gold market works. The price of gold is set every morning on a phone call by what's known as the LBMA, the London Bullion Market Association. And the Chinese banks have basically disappeared from the LBMA gold price auction, which is very strange. Uh, we've seen uh, basically the Chinese have basically disappeared. They're, they used to be direct participants in this, and now they're not even there. The latest casualty is the Bank of China, which bizarrely is said to have requested a self-suspension. A self-suspension. They don't even want to participate anymore. Before that, ICBC and the Bank of Communications disappeared with zero commentary from the LBMA, the FCA, and the mainstream media on the matter. Even ChatGPT thinks that it's highly unusual and warrants further scrutiny. So what the heck is going on? Why is China no longer participating, bizarrely, why are they no longer participating in the LBMA gold price auctions? They're buying massive amounts of gold. They don't want to participate in that. And at the same time, we see that gold is trading at a premium in priced in CNY in Chinese currencies. This shows that the market for bullion in China has surged at times commanding a record premium over international prices of more than $100 an ounce compared with an average over the past decade of less than $6. So what happened? Why do we go from $6 to $100? An ounce of gold in Shanghai cost 2007, about 6% higher than the price of in London or New York according to calculations by Bloomberg. This is interesting. What is going on with the prices? It's almost like there's two different markets. It says with the yuan falling, the property market slumping and capital controls keeping money from leaving the country, investors are buying gold. That's what we're seeing from Bloomberg anyway. Withdrawals from the Shanghai Gold Exchange in August jumped 40% from the previous month, while imports climbed 15%. Meanwhile, inflows into Chinese exchange-traded funds rose to their highest since July 2022. Gold's also finding support from Chinese Central Bank, which has boosted purchases for 10 straight months as it diversifies its reserves. As it diversifies its reserves, why do you diversify? You diversify to protect. They're protecting, all right? So this does not sound like a nation that is in hard financial shape, although I do believe they are. Every nation's in tough financial shape. So I do believe they are, but they're also doing something different and they're creating an entire new gold market. We're seeing gold trading in a premium in the CNY in Chinese currency. We're also seeing China buy oil in CNY. What this means is that gold buys more oil in China than in London because the price of gold is different. Now, the, the world markets don't like this. This creates a vacuum. And what it does is it opens up a gap for traders to get in. If you can buy it in one market and sell it at another market for a difference in price, more or less, that creates an arbitrage opportunity. It's a risk-free opportunity. If I can buy it from you for 50 cents and immediately go sell it to this guy for a dollar, that's the arbitrage. That's risk-free. And if this continues to happen, if we continue to see this spread where gold is priced higher in CNY and then you can use CNY to buy oil, then more gold and oil will head towards China. It's a big deal. 
PetroChina International paid for 1 million barrels of oil using digital yuan, the first cross-border oil transaction using the digital currency. Um, and so we're starting to see them using these currencies um, to play a geopolitical game. This is what's happening. Now, um, at a time when we have war breaking on uh, out all over the world, I've been very vocal for the last year, maybe naively optimistic, maybe, I guess time will tell, where I've kind of said that I think World War III is already happening, um, but it's not the hot war with shooting and nukes. It's really a war over um, money and information. And really, it's the people against the governments. But uh, I sure hope that's the case. Uh, what we're seeing with this is more of the financial warfare, which really sort of opened up uh, during times of Donald Trump uh, with the trade wars. And now this is continuing. Uh, and this is what it looks like China's doing. They're preparing themselves for financial warship, potentially even inflicting financial warfare back onto the U.S. dollar and the treasury markets. And let's hope it stays there. Uh, now, what's happening in the Middle East with the warships going on over there? China's now sending their warships over there. It could escalate into a shooting war. I certainly pray it doesn't. Let's hope that it sticks with this financial warfare. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Been running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week. So you know what the heck is going on in the world, what to do about it, so you stay one step ahead. That's what we got. Thanks for listening. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss. Let me know you're listening. Leave a review if you're listening on the podcast player. And that's what I got. Thanks so much. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.